All right, we're going to start for real. Hey, Alex. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Announce some announcements this morning. Um, it is so good to see so many people here. Um, we do still have some people out uh, that we're praying for. Pray for John. He's taking a spell in Texas. And y'all keep praying for Mama. Um, and she's not been able to be here. Um, I know if, if you were connected in with the life of the church, this past week was a week. Um, and so we've had people in surgery, uh, in less surgery than they wanted to be in. <laughs> um, we, we've had others dealing with hospitals and, and rehab and, and all kinds of stuff all over the place. Uh, foster kiddos going back home. Um, so y'all please keep praying for each and every person. Uh, and if you're wondering, it's like, what are these needs? How do I know more about this? Come to small group. Uh, come to small group Tuesday and Wednesday. That's how you can really plug into the life of the church and know what's going on with folks as, as we try to live here in Christian community. Um, and if, if you are not able to get to those groups, please know we, we do pray for y'all regularly. Um, as we know you have need. So we have the small groups. I also want to announce, so applications have officially opened uh, for volunteers for the SBC convention in June of next year. So if you want to volunteer uh, to be like, you can be a greeter, you can be an usher, gathering ballots and things like that. Uh, if y'all have not been to a convention, it's a trip. You should go. <laughs> you should sign up and volunteer. You won't get a vote because our church, because of the size of our church, we only get um, a very small number of, of voters, and I'm, I'm intending to be there casting my ballot. Um, but you should definitely volunteer and go. And, and it's honestly, I walk away. I know there's headlines and Twitter feeds and all this stuff. Every year, I walk away deeply encouraged. Um, just uh, you can see the spirit moving in a room filled with that many people who maybe disagree on a lot of stuff, but are trying to follow Christ. That's a deeply encouraging thing for me. We are not alone in this. We have a very large um, church, uh, church family, universal church family all around the world. Um, and so these meetings are a little reminder of that. So I'll encourage you volunteer for that if you don't already, um, if you're not already involved in other stuff. And uh, we are going to stay tuned for more info on something called Serve Tour. So our church has already volunteered. I have volunteered us uh, for something called Serve Tour. And we're going to be working with Crossroads NOLA and doing a project related to um, uh, a respite event for foster parents and kiddos. So if you're a foster parent, you maybe are excited about that. You should be. We're going to get some meals paid for downtown. Um, and if you're not, uh, you can come and take part and in, in help care for some parents who are doing some other things in the city. Um, last, last announcement, uh, we do have an opportunity to take part in a ministry that ministers out of our church, so kind of uses our church building as home base. It's called Inward Ministries. Now we talked about it last week, but if you're not involved with Inward, don't know what it is. It is a ministry to uh, women who are involved in the sex industry here in the quarter. Uh, so groups of women will stay here and pray at the church. Other groups will go out into uh, dance clubs, things like that on bourbon and minister to the needs of honestly, yeah, there's a lot of wealth in, in those circles, but there's some deep hurt and need as well. And so it's, it's a place of ministry to the vulnerable, beautiful ministry. I'm a big fan. If you want to take part in that, you can talk to me and I can get you um, plugged into those 
those networks. Uh, Brooke Osborne at the seminary, some of y'all may know her. She's the one who's leading that currently. Um, anything else that I missed or, or that should be said? Yeah. Um, oh, we, we always, I always remember the, to announce the small groups. Uh, Shower Friday. If you are in need of anything like a meal, shower, clothing, uh, meet us at Armstrong Park at 7 o'clock. If, if you have none of those needs, you can still take part. You can come help out. You can volunteer. You can donate. You can do a bunch of stuff to help minister to our neighbors here in the French Quarter. Um, so feel free to talk to us about that as well. Let me pray for us as we get started. Father God, please meet us here this morning. Lord, please change us. Change the way that we pray. God, teach us how to pray. God, give us faith today to move mountains and uproot mulberry trees. Uh, God, more than that, please involve us in your work in the world. God, privilege us to be the kind of people that you are able to work through. God, to reveal your glory in the world. Lord, I pray that you would change each of us this morning. God, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us, and we also pray the way that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, everyone. We're going to take a few moments to read God's word together and to respond together in prayer. Our readings today are from um, the book of Habakkuk, um, is our Old Testament reading, and it's another one of these, I feel like a lot of our readings through the season of ordinary time have sort of circled around wrestling with the idea of, of the problem of evil, and as we saw in the, as we were going through Proverbs earlier, how it looks like um, evil flourishes, and it looks like that there is no justice, and it looks like righteousness doesn't prevail. And what do we do with that? And so this passage um, in Habakkuk is just a, it's an example of what we should do. The, the correct response, which is to stand fast and to watch and wait for what the Lord is doing and to listen for what the Lord is saying and to hold on to his word. And it's a promise that God sees all these things and they haven't changed what he is doing. They haven't thwarted his plans for us, that God is, his promises are sure, and his, his justice is promised and is, is assured. And our New Testament passage is a beautiful illustration of what that looks like. That's one of the things that I love. Um, we go through, especially we're thinking ahead, coming up to, you know, Advent and Christmas and Epiphany, like seeing all of these promises of God fulfilled in the life of Jesus, seeing what the kingdom of God looks like in the way that he acts, seeing what it looks like when God comes into the world. And so we see this in our New Testament passage. 
which is this familiar story of Jesus and Zacchaeus, who is a tax collector, who is corrupt, who is a collaborator with the oppressors of his people, who steals from his own people. And in this story, we see this beautiful enactment of what God's justice looks like. Because what God's justice looks like, how he brings his justice to the world, is to call out to each one of us selfish, dishonorable, unjust people, and to call us into a fellowship and a relationship and a proximity and a love that will change us, that will wreck our lives and set us on the right path. That is what God's justice looks like, that he comes and calls for each of us. And when we come and answer, he changes us. And through us, we call out to one another. And we seek the change for one another. We seek the freedom for one another. We seek for one another to be invited into that same community. And as we do so, we begin to see that kingdom of God. We begin to become that body of Christ, that God in the world. So, Robin, would you please read for us? From Habakkuk 1, 1-4, and 2, 1-4. The oracle that the prophet Habakkuk saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not listen? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see wrongdoing and look at trouble? Destruction and violence are before me, strife and contention arise. So the law becomes slack and justice never prevails. The wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, judgment comes forth perverted. I will stand at my watch post and station myself on the rampart. I will keep watch to see what he will say to me and what he will answer concerning my complaint. Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets so that a runner may read it, for there is still a vision for the appointed time. It speaks of the end and does not lie. If it seems to tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Look at the proud, their spirit is not right in them, but the righteous live by their faith. Amen. I'll be reading from the book of Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. And all who saw him began to grumble and said, He is going to be with the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek out and to save the lost. Amen. Amen. Amen.
pray with us. God who sees and God who speaks, God who seeks and God who saves, your word of hope echoes through the ages. Your call to restoration rings out through the trees. But we do not seek you as you seek after us. We are not faithful to listen and to remember as you are faithful to speak. We are easily distracted, dismayed, disheartened. We give up watching and waiting for you long before you ever give up calling out to us. Forgive us, O Lord. May we welcome you with joyful repentance and be transformed by your presence. Brothers and sisters, believe and have hope. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Through him you are forgiven, you are welcomed, you are loved. Let us rejoice together and give praise to the Lord. Let us welcome him in to our hearts and lives with joy. In your Son, you seek out and save the lost, O God, and invite us to the banquet of your eternal home. Visit your people with the joy of salvation, that we may rejoice in the riches of your forgiveness, and reach out in welcome to share with others the feast of your love.
um, just be with Alex as he brings the sermon. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah.
also the creator of heaven and earth. You spoke the world into being. We thank you that you've given us this method of communication where we get to talk to you, that you encourage us to talk to you. We know is above all things the power of the power of words, the power of the words that you speak. When you speak to us, I pray that you would be here with us today, move in and through us, and I pray that your words would be spoken today. Amen. Amen. Morning. Morning. Go with me in your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Luke chapter 17 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, you can uh, you can raise your hand and we'll get one to you. You can keep it if you, if you need to. Uh, we have been in a series for about four weeks now, asking the Lord to teach us how to pray. Teach us to pray. Jesus assures his disciples over and over again, when we pray, when we as God's children pray, God hears us. Every time we come to him, even in the middle of the night, even if the need is small or unimportant, like a good father responding to an upset child, every time we come to him, he opens the door to us. Every time we knock, he opens the door and is to be found, because he wants to be found. Jesus assures us, God hears us, but I'll admit to you, it's hard to believe sometimes that God hears us, at least for me. I'll speak for myself. This morning we're going to talk about miracles, faith, and changing the mind of God in prayer. We already talked about prayer's ability to shape us, to raise us up as mature believers. So a lot of prayer is about shaping us as Christians rather than shaping the world around us. Because after all, we do not control God. And we do not control what he does. But also the God we worship is a God of miracles and signs and wonders. I want you to know this morning that I am a big old skeptic. One who questions, one like Thomas who refuses to believe without good reason. I was a science teacher. I once had a youth minister beg me to stop asking questions in front of the other kids. I earned a master's degree in apologetics mainly to get good answers to doubts that I personally had. I don't say that as a brag or as a confession, but as a help for you to understand what I'm about to say. I believe the miracles of the Bible actually happened. And that's why people talked about them and wrote them down and passed them to their children. I believe Christ really rose from the dead. It's probably the most historically attested event of history. And his followers died for that belief. We would be foolish, honestly, not to believe that. And if Christ was raised from the dead, it changes everything. Not only do I believe the miracles of the Bible actually happened, I believe the God of the Bible who is alive again today still performs miracles constantly throughout the world. <clears throat> Nothing has changed about his character or his work in the world from that time until now. Nothing about the Spirit of God has ceased in the world. I've been a part of miraculous things happening. Everything we are about to read is not just possible in the world today, but because of the character of God and his continued activity in the world, I view the miraculous as inevitable in the course of the coming of the kingdom of God. And his kingdom draws near. So read with me Luke chapter 17 in verse 5. <coughs> and Meg, can I ask you for a favor? Is there water back there? I'm not going to make it. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. 
And the Lord said, If you had faith like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and recline at table? Will he not rather say to him, Prepare supper for me and dress properly? Thank you. And serve me while I eat and drink, and afterward you will eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you were commanded, say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for the foreigner? He said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me briefly. Father God, I pray as I always do, that you would show us your truth and your word today. God, because we know your truth will set us free, and we desperately long to be free. Amen. Thanks again. I want to start with verse 6 and what it means to pray in faith. Because I'm going to say praying in faith is not what most of us think it is. There is a widespread false teaching that faith is like money, where if you are a good enough person, you can earn faith and spend it however you want, on happiness or cars or success or good relationships. That's not what Jesus means at all. He's not telling you your faith should grow like a mustard plant or an investment account in order for you to be a good Christian. In fact, he's saying just about the opposite of that. The sister passage of this one in Matthew is famous, where Jesus teaches faith is able to move mountains. Uh, this one, he's talking about uprooting a mulberry tree and then planting again in the sea. And I understand why we usually preach out of Matthew, because the mountain thing's a way better image, right? So the mulberry tree is way less dramatic. Also, what's a mulberry tree? Um, it's this, I had to look it up on the internet. Big tree. This would be hard to uproot. I get it now. Mm. Um, there's another image, too. So if I were to use faith telekinesis to move anything, that looks delicious. I would move that into my belly, personally. That's what I would be doing with it. Um, so if you didn't know, that's a mulberry tree. That's what we're working with. In Matthew, the conversation's framed a little differently. Um, again, Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains or mulberry trees depending on where you're at neither exist in new orleans such as makes it all the more impressive what is he actually teaching in matthew the apostles try to heal a child who's possessed and having seizures and just need all around right and and the apostles are baffled probably like me sometimes today oftentimes i'll meet someone who has a whole lot of overlapping need and it's hard to know where to start do i pray for you do i give you food do I take you to a doctor? Do I try to get some sort of therapy going? Do you need an exorcist? Do you need to be Catholic to be an exorcist? Or do you buy a kit on Amazon or something? The apostles can't heal this guy. 
So his father pushes past them to bring the child to Jesus. Jesus heals this precious little boy and gives him whole and healthy back to his father. And the disciples, instead of rejoicing with the people, the rest of the people there, about this incredible miracle and that this child of God who was lost is now found, the disciples are upset. They question Jesus about why their prayers didn't work to heal the boy, and Jesus rebukes them. He tells them the problem with their prayer was that they lacked faith, and if they had just faith the size of a mustard seed, they would be able to move mountains. And I wanted to teach from Luke because Jesus' message in the passage that we read, is, it's a bit clearer here. The apostles are focused not on the glorious miracle that Jesus performed or the child rescued. Instead, they want Jesus to increase their faith. They want power to be the miracle workers. This is what we do. This is still what we are saying to Jesus in light of his work in the world. We focus more on our ability to perform a sign than on the purpose and the kingdom to which the sign points. This child of God was possessed and is now free, but we are more concerned about getting our miracle, being able to direct the power of God in the world. This passage, at its core, if we are reading it correctly, is a passage on humility. And we use it for the opposite. We use it to stoke our pride. Jesus tells his disciples, basically, don't worry about enoughness with faith. In the kingdom of God, there are no heroes of the faith. There are only two characters in this drama. There is God, and there are sinful and broken people, and you, my friend, are not God. The smallest amount of faith is enough in a God who is infinite. Your faith in God, even if it's like the smallest thing that you can barely see, that amount of faith is enough for God to be able to do his work in and through you. You don't have to have some great faith. You don't have to be some great person who's on TV or in a pulpit who makes their bed and answers all their emails every day. You don't have to be that person for God to work through you. Our God is able to work through broken people with tiny amounts of faith to move strong trees or to move mountains, to do miraculous, impossible things. And in fact, our God often chooses the weak in order to shame the strong. I've often asked Jesus the same questions the disciples ask in these two passages. Lord, increase my faith, I'll tell him. Lord, why am I not the person who's able to speak that way? Why am I not the person who's able to heal that person? And because God doesn't change, I believe he's answering me in the same way that he answered his disciples then. This is not about you. It's about God and the person he is healing and restoring back to life. You don't need more faith. You need humility. You need to know that this power does not belong to you. And believe God is able to do whatever you ask him to. God is able, but he is also Lord. You were not in charge of the Holy Spirit, but he is still the major power of the universe. And nothing is able to stop him from accomplishing what he desires. I remember at the first church that I worked at in New Orleans, the pastors of the church gathered a few other pastors, a few congregants, and they all went to go pray over uh, a young woman, a, a Tulane student, who had an aggressive terminal 
cancer. They prayed for her to be healed, and, and she had a scan the next week to check on the progress of the treatment, and the cancer was gone. Doctors were baffled. They took another scan. They were like, well, that must have been a mistake. But no, cancer, gone. Young woman, miraculously healed. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And those same pastors, a few months later, got together to pray for a dear friend of mine whose birthday would have been the day that I wrote this sermon. He had cystic fibrosis, and they prayed for him, and I prayed for him for years. And he died about a year later, the day I graduated from seminary with my degree in apologetics, as if Satan were tempting me, asking me whether or not I was yet prepared with that degree to answer my own doubts. It's easy enough to believe in a God who performs miracles, but only for super holy people who have the faith and the gift, and if you just try a little harder, maybe God will show up in your life too. And it's easy enough to believe in a God who just, you know, kind of doesn't work in the world anymore, and now is the Bible, and this is today, and we don't really do that anymore. Those things are easy. What's hard is believing in a God who is able to do impossible things, but he's Lord and not you. What's hard is believing in a God who doesn't always do what you are desperate for him to do. That is both incredibly hard to believe and incredibly true of the God we worship. He is Lord and not you. You don't need to increase your faith, but you do need to know that he is able to work in and through you. When is the last time you prayed for something impossible to happen? I'm not talking about improbable or winning the lottery, I'm talking about impossible, does not happen in the ordinary course of nature? Or do you wait for God to be your last hope until you place your hope in him? Or are you afraid that he won't do what you've asked him to do, and so you've learned over time just kind of not to ask, so you won't be disappointed? Or are you afraid if God gets involved, you'll lose control over whatever the situation in your life is that you're trying to address? Because, friend, that has always been true. You've never been in control of your own life to begin with. You may as well invite God in. I would challenge you to pray for impossible things, because nothing is impossible with God. Pray for mountains to move and trees to uproot, for tyrants to fall, for injustices to reverse. Pray for people to be healed, even yourself, even if you've been trying for years. For people to be raised from the dead. Pray for food. To multiply when you don't know how you're going to feed everyone. Or teacher, pray for that student who is never going to change. Or doctor, for the patient that you're about to lose. Pray for the cities to repent and for peace to come with justice. For the kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. God is able to do the impossible. Pray in faith. And secondly, this, praise the Lord when he does impossible things, when he does just ordinary things, because they are so good. Praise the Lord and not his servants. Praise the Lord and not his servants. I don't know if anyone else was thrown off by this parable that talks about kind of an unjust situation, master, servant. I don't know if anyone else was thrown off about the comments about the Samaritan. I would encourage you, don't be. Just think about what he's actually saying. Jesus is not saying this is a good way to treat your servant. And he's not saying it's a good thing that there is a cultural divide between the Jewish people of his day and the Samaritans. Jesus is pointing out that people do treat their servants this way. 
and that his fellow Israelites did tend to look down on the Samaritans in that day. He's using what is real as a contrast to point to the idea. He's pointing out the irony that most people, if they hire someone full-time, they're going to get that servant to do as much work as possible. And they're not going to go around following them around, thanking them all day either. Most of the time, you show up and you're expected to do your job. You can only hear about, usually most jobs that I've had, you only really hear about the job that you're doing when you do it badly. Uh, we probably all had that job at some point, and so has Jesus' listeners. And that's why he's talking about it. But even in a healthy home or workplace, you don't always get praised for doing what's expected of you. No one thanks me for taking the cough from the toddler directly in the mouth. You know, it happens. No one thanks me for that at all. No one praises us for the way that we're raising up the kids. Opposite, in fact, we take a lot of flack. No one knows about or thanks pastors for sending emails and praying in closed rooms for you because you don't even know about it. Uh, the conversations I have, the prayers I pray for you, I, I'm not trying to be thanked. I want the Lord to see me do these things. I'm trying here at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm trying to do what God has asked of me. And so Jesus' point in this parable is if we are in Christ, we are his servants. So why should we expect people to praise us for doing the work of the kingdom? Why are we trying to be miracle, work, miracle workers and gain honor by that? Do your job, is what he's saying. Even if your job includes healing people miraculously. We've been talking about faith and prayer. In Jesus' day, a lot of church folk would use the church as a way to be seen. I know. I, glad we stopped that, right? Um, they would dress up, they would go to the temple in the center of town, and they would make sure everyone would see them going to temple. They would take a long time washing outside. Uh, and then on their way in, they would give heavy coins that would make a lot of noise going into the collection. And then stand tall and pray loudly where everyone could hear them. And I'm sure their prayers were beautiful. And I'm sure just like today, they had a plaque on the wall or their name on the pew to recognize that they were the ones holding it together. Jesus is basically saying what we are supposed to... Jesus is asking, he's asking what? We're, we're supposed to revere these people for doing what God has asked them to do? We're supposed to go around thanking them for giving to the temple when God has commanded them to give a tenth of what they have. We're supposed to ooh and ah at their prayers when God the Lord has commanded them to pray. We should instead recognize any goodness in them and in each of us is coming from their Lord and ours. This is a parable against the idolization of fellow believers, against the idolization of religious teachers, against the idolization of miracle workers. I want you to see, right between this teaching on faith and prayer and the performance of an actual miracle through Christ, where only one person turns around to thank God himself for being saved, we find this parable meant to remind us of where faith and power and miracles come from, where all the things we are hoping we can take part in our work for the kingdom, where those blessings really come from. As your pastor, I pray for you and for this church continually. I, I pray for people to be saved. I pray for hearts and minds to change, for our community to be one 
It is a loving and forgiving family. I hope that we can get set up to be long-term sustainable, and I'm constantly reminded that all of those things that I'm praying for this church, every last one of them, everything I want is your pastor. Those are all works of the Holy Spirit. I am not able to do any of them, and neither are you. And it's a healthy reminder for me and my pride that I am a servant being asked to do a task. The best thing that I can be is faithful. Not skilled, not famous, not trending, faithful. And if God works through you, works through a prayer that you pray, to perform a miracle, don't consider yourself holy, but rather praise God for his ability to work through even broken people. Even me, even you. Or teacher, when God answers your prayer, and you suddenly have the ability to turn it around and make that kid's whole trajectory change, and people are bringing you to conferences to ask you how you did it, tell the truth. Even if they don't believe you, tell them the Lord changed this child's life. Or when you're sober for 20 years and people are looking at you like you are stronger than they ever could be, tell the truth. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Or when your business takes off and the money is pouring in, remember from whom all blessings flow. The point is, when prayer works and the world changes and the miraculous happens, it has very little to do with any of us. We are servants. Praise the Lord. I love that this parable, I hope y'all are catching this, this parable assumes a couple things about the life of believers. It assumes that we will be praying for impossible things to happen. And, and I love this, it assumes that God will show up and be doing those impossible, incredible things in your life and in the life of our church. It assumes that. The lesson is when God shows up and is working incredibly, miraculously in the believing body, he says, but y'all stay humble, okay? And I think we need to live our lives in such a way, assuming that, having faith that, God is going to work and do incredible things. He is going to heal people. He is going to cast out demons. He is going to move mountains and even mulberry trees. And in that, our place is humility. Our place is to turn around and when God does incredible things, to praise him for it in our lives and in the lives of people around us. The rest of the passage tells of Jesus healing ten lepers who prayed a similar prayer, simple prayer. They all said together, Lord Jesus, have mercy on us. Just that prayer, in faith, them believing, I think this guy can actually do this. Just that prayer in faith healed ten people of a terminal disease, and only one of them thought to thank God for that miracle. We are all of these people. We are the disciples who cry out in faith, who cry out for faith, rather, to, to have more faith. We are those whose faith is almost unnoticeable, but God, in his mercy, does great things through us. And when he does, we are those who want to be seen and praised for it, for simply being a servant of the Lord and simply doing our jobs. And lastly, of course, we are the nine who are cleansed and never turn around and thank the Lord. If we are all of those people, maybe too we can be the one who comes back to him and prays another simple prayer, not even recorded, and falls with his face on Jesus' feet, praising God. 
In all of our struggles with faith, in all of our misunderstandings and mistakes, God, please let us, in the end, fall at your feet and praise you because you are good. Because, like the Samaritan, we once were not your people, but now you've called us your people. Because we once were cast out of community, and you have now welcomed us back into your community, your church, your family, your temple. Lord, please call to mind your mercies each morning that we might praise you. So again this morning, I would invite you to pray. Pray in humility that God might work through you to heal and save you and the people around you. And if he does heal you or others, go back and thank him. Even if you forgot in the past, God is time free. Just thank him now. Pray for things you never thought possible, for people you can't change for things you cannot control, and praise God always, because he hears us. Pray with me now. Father God, it's hard to know what to pray. God, our imaginations cannot encompass the things that you are doing in the world. And the things that you want to do. God, we lack faith. And we have not even dreamed of the miracles that you are performing, even now, God, in our world. Lord, I pray that you would give us faith, God, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. God, just faith to know that you are able and willing to work in and through us. God, broken as we are in all the places and situations where we feel like we are pushing against an immovable object, God, we know that even if it is immovable, Lord, that you are able to uproot it and cast it into the sea. God, I thank you for all your good works. Thank you for healing these men and for giving us that story now. God, and for showing us that we who have been healed are able to come and bow at your feet and praise you and thank you. God, and also showing us, convicting us, that we often do not. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Again, I would invite you to respond as we join again together in prayer. Um, we have kneelers here at the front you're able to use, and you can always come pray with me, um, or you can pray where you are, or you can stand and sing. Oh